Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. chapter 8 and verse 22 and he cometh to the to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man unto him and he besought him to touch him and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up, that's the blind man, and said, I see men as trees walking. This is such an unusual event. A dear friend of mine from Bible College, Mark Brown, preached a sermon on when Jesus spits in your face is a masterpiece. Spit on his eyes. And then the master of the universe, after he's done praying for him, the one who answers all prayers, the one who has all power, the one who made the eyes, asked, said, can you see? And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking around. Just a touch. Got a little better. Now you realize what's happening here. This is God. And after he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. This is my sermon today, this little post-it note. Second week in a row, I just didn't feel released at all to write more than a few scriptures down. If I had a title, I, I don't know if I do just I guess start out that way if I was going to name it I'd just say the power of praying again the power 
praying again. Will you lift your voice with me one more time? Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I magnify you. Lord, I feel victory in this place. And Lord, I pray right now that you would just respond kindle the fight in someone's heart, in someone's mind. Lord, I give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Abraham is such a unique human being. It is remarkable, the life of Abraham. He is the father of all who have faith, and yet we see him lose faith. He doesn't have any scripture to guide him, and yet he walks with God in such a way that the Lord determines that Abraham's children will be his people forever. And you and I, when we are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and an adoption takes place, and God puts us as the children of Abraham. And Abraham has such a relationship with God that God, when he has decided to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin, everything that you could possibly imagine and beyond it was commonplace in Sodom and Gomorrah. And not just there, but there were five other cities in the plains that were going to be destroyed as well. And before God sends fire from heaven to consume those cities, he looks at the angels and says, you know what, fellas, Abraham is my friend, and I don't think it's right for me to do this without telling Abraham what's going to happen. Think about that. God said, I don't want to do it unless I talk to Abraham first. I want him to know what I'm going to do. So God comes and he speaks to Abraham said I'm going to destroy the cities their wickedness it's as much as I can take and I can't take no more I'm going to destroy them there's not going to be anything left of those cities and Abraham begins to pray and he said you are the holy one there's no one like you you are the righteous judge would it be right for you to destroy the city And if there were righteous people in that city, he said, I know I'm just dust and I'm ashes, but I'm asking you, God, you are the righteous one. Don't do wrong. If there's 50 righteous people in those cities, will you spare it for the 50 righteous? Think about that. God has made plans. The angels are in alignment. They are all ready and prepared to go and destroy that city. And yet Abraham stands before God and said, I'm asking you if I can find 50 righteous people in that city, will you spare it for 50? God said, no. If you find 50, I won't destroy it for the 50's sake. And Abraham starts thinking about that city. (laughs) I don't know if I can find 50 people there. So, Lord, what if I come up short? Will you destroy it just because I missed out by five people? Lord, what if there's 45 there? And the Lord said, no, I won't destroy it for 45's sake. 
And Abraham, he starts going through the city of Sodom. I don't know how many are there. More, I don't know how many are there. He starts thinking through the other cities of the plains. And he said, well, Lord, what if I come up short five on that? Will you spare it for the 40's sake? And the Lord said, yes, I'll spare it for the 40's sake. And then Abraham says, what about 30, God? And he said, no, I won't destroy it for the 30's sake. And he prays again, Lord, what if I only find 20 there? Will you spare the 20? He said, yes, Abraham, if you can find 20 in those cities, I'll spare it for the 20's sake. Think about this, seven cities. All of these cities that are in the plains. They're not small. They're large cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, if I can find 20, will you spare it there? And Abraham isn't even convinced that he could find 20. And so he prays again and said, Lord, what if I can find 10? What if I can just find 10 people there? The Lord said, no, I won't destroy it for the 10's sake. It is an amazing thing the story and the power of one man and or one woman's prayer before God it is remarkable what we can do in the heavenly places if we are willing to go before the throne of God and the amazing thing about this story is that God is not setting the limit here Abraham set the limit it is In the text, as you're reading it, the flow, the battle is on Abraham's side. Whatever he asks that God is willing to do, but Abraham stops at 10. I heard Brother T. Windross, an apostle, missionary, powerful man of God talking about this subject and he said he noticed something here he hadn't noticed before. Abraham prayed six times. And when we read of Elijah standing on the mountain after he called fire down from heaven, he prayed once and no rain came. He prayed twice and no rain came. He prayed six times and no rain came. But on the seventh time that he prayed, that's when God heard. And all of a sudden there was a cloud the size of a man's hand and rain came and there was blessing and God poured out on those cities power of his spirit in the form of rain. Brother Wynn Dross pointed out, so what if Abraham had prayed just one more time? What if he had just asked God one more time? We see it over and over again throughout the scripture. Elisha, the servant of Elijah, he is a powerful man of God. He has twice the miracles, twice the power, twice the anointing of his master Elijah. And there is a great Syrian general. His name is Naaman. And he is a leper. And in his house is an Israelite slave. But this Naaman, must have been some kind of man. Because even the slaves that serve him care about him. And this Israelite slave girl, when she sees the leprosy on the great general's body, she said, oh, if my master, 
would just go to my home country. There is a man of God there, and he could pray for you, and you would be healed. Naaman listens to this little girl. He gets the finest chariot. He loads it down with gold and silver, fine jewels, fine apparel. He's got a wagon load of stuff, and he hauls it out to meet Elisha. But when he gets there, Elisha's servant is sent out. He already knows what's going to go on. He said, my master said, go dip seven times in the Jordan and you'll be healed. Go dip seven times. And Naaman gets mad. He said, I thought he'd come out and talk to me. I thought he'd come out and lay his hands on me or something special would happen. He said, he didn't even come out to talk. He just sent a servant to tell me what to do. And if that wasn't bad enough, the, have you seen the Jordan River? It's muddy. It's dirty. I picture the Muskegon. He said, have you seen the Jordan? He said, I don't want to get in that water. He said, why can't I go to Abana or Farpar? They're a lot better. The rivers in Damascus are beautiful. They're clear. They're crystal. They smell good. They look good. Why can't I dip in one of those? And he begins to whip those horses, and he tears off in a fury. But while they're going down the road, horses panting, the whip cracking, another servant looks at him and said, Oh, Master, you're brave. You're fearless. You've faced many a battle. You, you, you've faced so many enemies. If he'd have asked you to climb a mountain, you have done it. If he'd have asked you to fight an army single-handed, you'd have done it. If he'd have asked you to do something great, you would have done it without any hesitation. All he asked you to do was to go and dip in the river seven times. Won't you listen to what the man of God said? These servants love him. It's remarkable. It's a, it reveals the character of this general. And yet again, he listens to a servant. And he goes down, wades out into the water, disgusted by its dirtiness, not happy about what's going on. Servants are coaching him. Go on. You got to go under. And he dips and he comes up, <laughs> rubbing it down. And he looks and he's still leprous. He said, no, he said, you got to do it seven times. And he goes and he dips and he comes up and he wipes the water out of his eyes and he looks and he's still a leper. He does it three times and four times and five times and six times and he's still a leper. Nothing has changed. But there was an order that came down from heaven and it wasn't five times and it wasn't six times. But the Lord had spoken through the prophet, if you go down one more time, I'm going to heal you. And when he went down the seventh time, he came up healed. I want you to know if God has not answered your prayer yet, it does not mean he's done with you. It does not mean he won't answer. Just pray again. Pray one more time. Joshua was told by the Lord, I want you to walk around Jericho. Jericho was the biggest city 
And that's what they had to face for first. It was the most well-protected city, double walls. There was nothing like it in all the land. And they had to go there first, God said. He picked the city. He picked the target. He picked the enemy. He knew how big the people were. He knew how well defended it was. He knew just how strong the walls were. But our what mighty, our weapons of our warfare, while they might not be carnal, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He didn't tell Joshua to get a great big sword. He didn't tell Joshua to build catapults. He didn't tell Joshua to build ramps and to go into the city at night. He didn't tell him to light flaming arrows and burn it to the ground. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to walk around that city. Be quiet when you do it. Pray inside your heart. And you do it every day for seven days. Once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, you do it seven times. Do you realize we're talking about millions of people? Do you know how long it would take? It'd make the line at Chick-fil-A look short. They were wrapped. And they went out and they walked. And the people on the walls mocked them. Ooh, scary. I'm sure at first there was some fear. Look, they're all coming. They're bringing the babies with them. But after a while, they realized they're just walking. And, oh, man, that's real scary there, fellas. Do you know that they were getting stuff thrown on them? You know arrows would have been shot at them. You know they've been pouring... If it's like any other ancient city, they'd have been pouring hot oil and boiling water over the walls. And yet they walked. It didn't matter how much the enemy attacked. They did what God told them to do and they walked around. But nothing at all happened that first day. Not one little stone wobbled loose. The second day they did it again. Holding coats over their heads and shields and keeping themselves from the rocks and the slingshots and they walk around again and once again there's not one little stone wobbles loose. There wasn't one sickly guard that got dizzy and fell off. Nothing happened the second day and nothing happened the third day and nothing happened the fourth day and I want you to know on the seventh day nothing happened the first time and nothing happened the second time and on the seventh day nothing happened the sixth time but when they went around one more time and they shouted unto the Lord those walls started coming down I think the picture of Naaman And the children of Israel fits us today. If God told us to go face some enemy in the political world, we'd get out there with our picket signs and we'd march and we'd think we were doing something so good. If God told us to take up arms against some foreign entity, we'd do it with courage and bravery, expecting to win. But God has not asked us to climb some special mountain or fight some physical enemy. All God has asked is if we are willing to keep on praying. Keep on seeking after him.
Elisha has another king come to him at the end of his life. King Joash knows Elisha is going to die. It's obvious to everyone he doesn't have long left. And he comes and he bows before Elisha and he said, Oh, you are like the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. What will we do without you, Elisha? Elisha says, Go get yourself a bow and arrow. He gets it. He said, I want you to shoot out towards the enemies. And he shoots. He said, that's the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. He said, now I want you to take a fistful of arrows. He grabs them out the quiver. He said, now I want you to beat the ground like you're beating your enemies. Joash grabs those arrows and he gets down on his knees and he hits the ground once. And he hits the ground twice. And he hits the ground a third time. And he stands up. And when he stands up, Elisha comes unglued. He said, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? Why would you only smite the ground three times? I said, beat it like you're beating the enemy. Beat those arrows on the ground like you're hitting the one who's trying to steal your children. Beat the ground like you're going to take over the one who's kidnapped your family. I said, hit the ground like you're trying to hit your enemy. He said, you should have pounded that ground at least five or six times. He should have beat the ground until his knuckles were bloody and the arrows were splintered. But he just stopped after three attempts. It is a typology. How far are you willing to go? Well, I prayed before and it didn't happen. I fasted before, and it didn't happen. Bishop Strange says something years ago. He said it in passing. I don't know if he even remembers saying it. I don't remember what sermon he was preaching when he did it. But he said, I wonder how many people have prayed and sought God for years. And right before he answers, they walk up to the Lord's desk and just take it back and say, No, I don't need it anymore. Just give up. Stop praying. Stop believing. Right before the answer comes. Jesus could have healed that blind man without speaking a word. He could have healed the blind man without touching him. He could have healed the blind man just by the will of his spirit. And yet he led him out of town. Stood before him. Spit in his eyes. Prayed over him. And asked, are you healed? Can you see? And he said, I can see a little bit. Men are like trees walking around. You must not have been born blind. Know what a tree looked like. He said, they're just blurry. They're stretched and distorted. And Jesus prayed again. Why would Jesus do that? Why would he pray 
a second time when he has all the power in heaven and earth. He did it for our example. It's so you and I can understand. Sometimes the power comes when you pray again. Sometimes the answer comes when you're willing to get down on your knees one more time and say, Jesus, I'm not giving up. Sometimes the answer comes when you're willing to pray again. Power in praying again. Some of you have been praying for years. Some of you have been seeking the Lord for a decade or more. Bishop Stark at our Section 2 banquet, he spoke to the ministers. and He said here was two things on his prayer list that had been there for 20 years. 20 years he prayed every day over them. For 20 years. And two of those prayer requests were answered within just the last few weeks. There's power in praying again. There's power in praying again. I love it when my electronic devices give me a percentage of the download. I love it. (laughs) Now loading, 25%. Now loading, 50%. Now loading, 75%. Now loading, 98%. Always get stuck on 98, by the way. 98, the 98% takes twice as long as the other 97%. (laughs) And I can see it. And the reason they do that is so that you and I, in our frustration and thinking that it's not working, don't shut it off and mess it up. So they put that little loading bar on there to control our human nature so that we don't just give up part way and make the situation way worse. Because that's what will happen if you just give up and say, oh, it must not be working, and you power it down. You make it way worse. You you, you mess up everything. So they put that little loading bar on there to keep you and I from fouling things up. But I want you to know there's no loading bar in prayer. There's no loading bar in the spirit world. Daniel prayed for 21 days and didn't see one thing happen. But when Gabriel came, he said, I want you to know I've been in a battle for 21 days. And Michael had to come. And while I'm gone, there is not just the prince of Persia, but the prince of Greece is coming and there's a battle going on all because you prayed don't give up pray again pray again pray again Jesus gave the parable of the woman that would not turn away from the judge and he said why he was given he said so you wouldn't give up and you just keep on praying Said he, she just kept coming day after day. Day after day. When are you going to take care of my problem? When are you going to take care of my problem? When are you going to take care of my problem? When are you going to take care of my problem? When are you going to take care of my problem? He got so sick of it. He got tired. Imagine if you would, every time your phone dings and it's a text message from the same person. When are you going to take care of it? 
constantly hearing your phone ring or vibrate. And it's that same lady calling, when you're going to take care of it, when you're going to take care of it. And the judge said, I don't care about people and I don't care about God, but she is wearing me out. So I'll just do it. Let me tell you, God does care about you. God does care about you. And so if you'll keep praying, he will answer. There's power in praying again. There's power in praying again. Stand with me. You know, for 10 long years, my wife and I prayed that the Lord would give us another child. We sought after it. We did everything we could on our end. Everything. We got it all in a line. I sold two different houses. Remodeled three. Had all the money in the bank. Got all the ducks in a row. Just to be told no. Did it all again? Told no. Did it all again? Told no. Till my wife and I sat in our living room and I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. She said, good, I'm done too. We gave up. I'll just be honest with you, we gave up. But it wasn't too long later. Imagining a bigger family, hard to have the siblings. And we begin to pray again. And we begin to fast again. And we were told no again. But we had a vision. We had a dream. And we were holding on to it. And so we prayed, and we fasted again. And we were told no, yet again. And we prayed, and we fasted again. And a third time, we were told no. But we prayed, and we fasted again. And the Lord heard our prayer. And he didn't just give us the one we were asking for. He gave us two. There's power in praying again. How bad do you want to see that child of yours repenting at an altar? How bad do you want to see that loved one give their life back to the Lord? There's power in praying again. And I'm not talking about a little lady. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray you bless Bobby and I pray you bless Jimmy and I pray you bless... Stand. But when you pray like Elijah, and said he put his hands on his head and his knee, head between his knees, and he prayed fervently, the scripture says. And he prayed fervently a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time, and a fifth time, and a sixth time. And he prayed fervently a seventh time. How bad 
do you want it? I have been seeking the Lord for the last several weeks. I was just telling you, I want my vision restored. I want my mind focused. I want to see clearly. I want that picture in my mind. Because I know, I know that the promises of God are yes. They are amen. And he cannot and will not lie. There's power in praying again. Will you lift your hands and your voices with me across this place?